Hello and welcome. You're listening to Jot That Down. I'm Chloe. I'm Alex. And I'm Haley. And we're providing you with knowledge that you're not asking for. Each week, we will talk about a different topic, and we're all going to research something related to that topic and present it to the other people. This week, we'll be discussing conspiracy theories. Now let's kick it off. Alex, take it away. Okay, great. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> it. I will be discussing a couple of different conspiracy theories that all tie in because they're based on the same person, and that person is Britney Spears. Oh Any, my god, I'm what? so excited. Okay, phew, I thought you were gonna say that you picked her. Isn't she lovely? Oh, was that a Britney song? Conspiracy. Wait, are you serious? You don't know yeah. that song? <laughs> I it's thought lucky. I knew the song. Yeah, I know, but the joke was that it's obviously not Britney Spears. No, it is Britney Spears. She does not sing that song. She sings Lucky. Yes, she does. Are you joking? Lucky? This is a story about a girl named Lucky. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I thought you were singing Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder and Tweak. <laughs> <laughs> and tweaking but it. I think in the words. words that they say lovely, like the second verse. They do. They do thank say you. that. Thank you so much. Anyway, take it away, Alex. Anyway. Okay, so Britney Spears' life has been plagued with the media thinking of all these different conspiracy theories about her, um, and I'm concentrating on two main ones, but I would like to talk about all of them. So starting from when she was just a itsy-bitsy little girl singing on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, mm-hmm. there... <laughs> There's video of her singing in a completely different voice than the voice that everyone's familiar with, like which is like a kind of like a baby voice. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, you know. Um. <laughs> okay, yeah. That is spot on. Are you Brittany? Is this Thank what you. this yes, episode this is, is for? Actually, yeah. Oh that's the end God. of my story, but here we are. No. <laughs> so there's conspiracy theories that think that people that like managed Britney or her family forced her to change her singing voice basically to like be a pop star, which is just tragic. I've never heard this before. Yeah. And I saw a video of her singing in her like quote unquote normal voice that no one recognizes. And it's such a good voice. It's like a Christina Aguilera kind of voice. Another crazy conspiracy theory that I just, I had never heard until I was researching this is that People believe that her and Justin Timberlake were killed in a car crash while they were in a car together, and they were cloned. So the the Britney and Justin that we know today, clones of the other Britney and Justin. What? Who thinks this? I don't know. Exactly who thinks this? I don't know. I don't know who thinks of this, and I don't know who thinks this. All around, I don't believe either of those. Well, no, I don't believe that one. I believe the singing one. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now we're going to get into the main conspiracy that I want to concentrate on, which is the fact that people believe that Britney Spears was hired by George W. Bush's administration to take <laughs> to take the attention away from things that were happening in his presidency. Um, and so she was like making headlines to kind of diminish the crazy things that were happening in our country. Why? And I'll Except tell they you why. Weren't expecting the Dixie Chicks to be her rivals and George Bush's. Okay. <laughs> what? You so know, that George W. Bush, up in my research. George W. Bush hates the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> According to who? According to everyone. The song that they wrote. I rest I my head and I sleep like a baby. <laughs> I'm not familiar. <laughs> They spoke out about how he handled 9-11 and declaring war on the wrong country. And they were at a feud and he like wrote them a letter telling them to like shut their mouths. It was like a whole thing. I have wow. never heard of this before. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I that have didn't to Google the song. Why can't I think of it? Okay. C- continue. Also, they're known as the chicks now. FYI. Yes, yes, yes. The chicks. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so you're probably thinking, what happened? 
that people that was exactly what I was thinking. Conspiracy theory. Okay, great. So let's kick it off. January 2004. Someone in the Bush administration blew the cover of a CIA agent, Valerie Plam, 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 whatever, and that led to the indictment of a top Bush official. But a week before the case went to court, Brittany married her childhood friend, Jason Alexander, in Las Vegas, and then- Wait, what? Different Jason Alexander than the other Jason Alexander. Oh. <laughs> I was like, she marries George Costanza? (laughs) No, she doesn't. Anywho, that marriage was annulled 55 hours later, a.k.a. headline, a.k.a. covering up a Bush administration flop. Okay, ladies, are we following? We're following. All right. I'm in shock. Yeah, I know that she married Jason (laughs) Oh, just kidding. Just like this theory. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Okay. So fast forward to April 2006. Bush's approval rating is at a 38%. 38. Mm-hmm. That same time, Brittany drives with her infant on her lap. I know. I remember. I remember that. Which part? The approval or the lap? The lap. Were you there in the car with them? <laughs> I was actually in the paparazzi car. Oh, wow. Okay. What a living. All righty. November 2006. There's a big election. And because of the low approval of George Bush and also other Republicans, the Senate and House seats that were currently filled by Republicans are at a – there's a chance that they're, a lot of them are going to flip. Um, the day before the election, Brittany and Kevin Federline split up. They announced their split. Coincidence? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> You're making a great case. <laughs> okay. There's more. Okay. So February 2007, George Bush announces the reformation <laughs> Can you stop laughing, Chloe? Sorry. The George Costanza this is, announces. This of, the reformation <laughs> of literal Al-Qaeda, okay? Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. February 2007. That same night that he announced the reformation of Al-Qaeda is the night that Britney leaves rehab, shaves her head, oh. and attacks the paparazzi with the umbrella. The same night? The same night, oh. according to this article I read. Mm-hmm. now i'm like what came first the chicken or the egg is she distressed by the government (laughs) like i don't understand this is too much it's too much yeah and then finally in march 2007 um the attorney general of the u.s admits some mistakes in firing eight u.s attorneys who didn't seem loyal enough to Bush. Yikes. Who does that sound like? Mm. And that same day, a story is leaked that Britney is having a fling with a musician, some random musician, in rehab. Isn't this just wild? Okay, this is kind of crazy, yeah. She's an operative for the U.S. government, actually. Sure sounds like it. Yeah. And then the Britney drama stops around 2008, which coincidentally is when Bush was out of office, mm-hmm. but also is when she went under the conservatorship of her father. So it kind of makes sense. <laughs> and that leads me to my next Britney conspiracy, which is... Oh my God, there's more. Oh my God, I love this. Present day, hashtag free Britney. Oof, yes. We're all familiar. We sure are. So Free Britney is a movement to get Britney out of her conservatorship. Is that how you say the word? I don't know. Uh, can you, can don't we get know. a pronunciation check? <laughs> yes. We're just going to check. Confirmed. <laughs> Great. Okay. So it began in 2008 when her father was named the conservator of her estate. And um, that was after she had a stay in a psychiatric hospital and the hashtag free Britney movement began like immediately after that, basically with people thinking that she should be in control of 
all the aspects of her life and her finances and whatnot. Um, but judges just constantly ruling that she actually does in fact need the conservatorship. Um, and then Instagram and TikTok recently have caused a stir where more people have been talking about it. And now there's a ton of speculation because of her Instagram posts, which I'm sure you guys have seen. And I have to say, she probably doesn't have control of her social media. I, I don't see that likely that she has control of it. But I will say that the posts that she makes and someone, whoever puts up, are a little sketchy only because like she'll have like a photo shoot of the same outfit in the same location and she'll post that same photo but just a little different like five times all over the span of like several months which is just like a red flag i also is she okay okay? and also i why doesn't she have clothes that fit her also that. <laughs> she yeah she does wear a lot of like clothes that show her midriff yeah and, and I always yeah. I feel like I, she doesn't look like comfortable wearing it like I'm like are you being forced to wear this I also there was that TikTok theory going around people were commenting on her videos and being like Brittany wear red if you're like unsafe or something like that and I think she would end up doing it a couple times and people are like analyzing her videos and stuff and she does seem like it just seems like chaotic her behavior what she dresses as like yeah and there's also a video like she has multiple videos of her dancing like just her in front of the camera and there's also a video of her dancing with her boyfriend slash is he like a bodyguard for her i feel like he's an employee Um, and they're dancing and you can see him say in the back, like smile and her whole affect changes to where it was like very serious before. And now now she's smiling and people are like, oh my gosh, she's being controlled. And I don't know. I really don't know what to think. So there's also been a white house petition with a hundred thousand signatures signed for like the government to get involved. And there's just a ton of internet speculation, but a lot of it is just like unverified and unproven claims. Mm -hmm. So we really don't know what to think. I also feel like it would take a lot to involve the government. Like we have a few other more pressing issues to worry about. Not that like, obviously if she's unsafe, that's a very serious issue. But I feel like unless she comes out and, asks for help like nobody actually knows what's going on right I feel like any quote or anything we get is just like at this point hearsay because they're saying that she says this or they're saying that she thinks this but we'll have no idea unless she's actually saying it right and so it's like yeah people want to help get her out but what if like this is the only thing keeping her safe and like her money intact and whatnot it just would be awful for someone to like strip that from her. And then it turns out like she actually did need it to survive and to like be okay. Agreed. Also, I heard rumblings that her sister was trying to like help her through it because I think Jamie Lynn Spears and their dad are on bad terms too. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like I heard about that, but then Jamie Lynn Spears, and I could be totally wrong, Jamie Lynn Spears, like, was trying to do that and then gave the rights back to her dad. Hmm. Very plausible. It sounds messy. Yeah. I would not want to be in that situation. For sure, especially when she – I can't remember the last time she went on tour. It was, like, fairly recent, but, like, she doesn't get to do anything with her earnings. Right. You know what I mean? Well, except for pay – Kevin Federline, like $400,000 in child support every month. That's and it. for what? Mm-hmm. Really, for what? Except also, wasn't there some drama with like Britney's dad, whose name is Jamie, which is confusing, um, him and Britney's son, like hitting her son or something like oh, that? Oh, I don't recall. I think that was like a year ago or something. I don't know. The I feel like I briefly remember up. this. They've got nothing but drama. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my conspiracy theory. Um, I found the song that I was referencing. It is 
Are you ready? Not ready yeah. to make nice by the chicks. Oh my god, I love oh, that. Song. Yes, that's about yes. George Bush. Sure is. They I like it a lot say, less like, now. Oh no, I love it a lot more. He like <laughs> truly. He was such. I'm not trying to speak poorly of him because like he could have done a lot worse, but he messed up so many things and people just forget about it because we had Obama after, but now you know who after he left the office. Like. I don't know. Like, I think it's empowering that they stood up to the president. I think it's great. I'm That's not what, ready like, to make nice. I'm not ready to back down. So you guys know it. It made me sound too. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> of course we know it. I just didn't know it's about fucking George like, Bush. I just, like, don't know how you went through the 2000s without that knowledge. Isn't there a Broad City quote where someone says, George Bush? Did I make that up? I don't know. I think it's Alana. I don't know. Oh, yes. But all yes, I can think I about is that I think I said Al-Qaeda wrong. I don't think you No, did. no. People say Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And with that, um, I can go next, Tails, unless you – Absolutely. Mine is um, fairly long because I'm very passionate about my subject. Not that you guys aren't. There's Mine's also, of materials. Like, pretty long. Incredible. Let's, okay. let's, hit, let's hit it. All right. All right. So, take it away, Chloe. Thank you, Alex. Um, so I'm going to be covering a few conspiracy theories surrounding the death of actress Marilyn Monroe, who we covered semi-briefly in episode one with Haley's very thorough storytelling of her marriage to Joe DiMaggio. But I first want to begin with a small trigger warning because – Suicide does come up very briefly in this topic, so if that makes you uncomfortable or you want to skip over it, please feel free to do so. So all of this information is from Wikipedia and similar sources, so like I cannot confirm if these things are actually legitimate, but here we go. In 1962, on August 4th, Marilyn Monroe died of an overdose at her home. And at the time of her death, she was considered one of Hollywood's most popular stars. She was a major sex symbol, a top-billed actress, and by the time of her death, her movies had grossed over $200 million. As we had covered in episode one of the podcast, Marilyn Monroe suffered from mental illness and substance abuse for many years leading up to her death. And on the final day of her life, she spent her day, August 4th, in Brentwood at her home. She was accompanied by, and this is important, her publicist, her housekeeper, her photographer, and her psychiatrist, which sounds like a party to me, but <laughs> uh, at the request of her psychiatrist, her housekeeper was asked to stay overnight to keep Marilyn Monroe company. And at approximately 3 a.m. on Sunday, August 5th, her housekeeper woke up and noticed that Marilyn Monroe had locked herself in her bedroom. She was knocking on the door, and Marilyn appeared unresponsive when she looked into the bedroom through a window, and the housekeeper called her psychiatrist, who arrived soon after, and they entered the room by breaking through that window and finding Marilyn Monroe dead, and she had wrapped a telephone cord around her neck and it was later discovered that she had overdosed. There was no evidence of foul play. An accidental overdose was ruled the cause of her death. And then despite the coroner's findings, there were several conspiracy theories that she had actually been murdered. And so I'm going to now talk through some of those. So the first one is a 1960s theory um, that two men who were friends, Frank Kappel and Jack Clemens, had come up with. So during the 1960s, this I feel is also important, there were no widespread conspiracy theories when she first died that it was anything other than an overdose. Like everybody assumed overdose, like that's it. So the first allegations that she had potentially or possibly been murdered originated with this anti-communist activist named Frank Kappel, who had published a pamphlet called The Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe, in which he claimed her death was part of a communist conspiracy. He claimed that because of Monroe's ties 
to RFK, Robert Kennedy, that was the cause of her death. So he says that Kennedy ordered her to be assassinated to protect his career. In addition to accusing Kennedy of being a communist sympathizer, this man also claimed that other people close to Marilyn, such as her doctors and her ex-husband, Arthur Miller, were also communists. His credibility, however, was constantly questioned um, because he only cited himself as his source. So nobody really like believed him necessarily, but he kept publishing like his own work. Did you have a question, Haley? I just I find that just so funny that he listed himself as his only source. Yep. And that's why he wasn't credible. (laughs) However, so he had a friend who worked in the Los Angeles Police Department, Sergeant Jack Clemens, who aided him in developing this pamphlet, and he became a central source for conspiracy theorists. He, because he worked for the police department, he was one of the first officers on the scene at Marilyn's house the night of her death, and he later made claims that he had not mentioned in the original investigation that alleged that when he arrived, the housekeeper was washing Marilyn's sheets and he had, quote, a sixth sense that something was wrong, which to me felt weird. Like, if I was a police officer and saw a housekeeper, like, washing evidence, wouldn't you say something? Like, doesn't that seem odd? It seems very strange. But then also, like, Back then, like you said, no one questioned anything. So maybe that's why he brought it up later because he's like, oh, I didn't want to like seem like an unreliable source by saying like he had a sixth sense, you know? I guess. It's it's sketchy. I, I believe you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Kappel and Clemens's allegations have been linked to their political goals. They had both been against the Communist Party and were constantly trying to dedicate their lives to expose anyone who was against the American way of living. Um, And they had also sent the FBI letters um, to speculate on their theories behind the affair of Monroe and RFK. So they were sort of like tattletales of their time, if you will. The next theory takes place in 1970s, and there's two theories. One is with Norman Mailer, and the second is with Anthony Scaduto. I am so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, Get a pronunciation check? It is correct. Yes. Oh, thank you. I was hoping Alex would say it because it's definitely Italian. (laughs) Apologies to all the Scadutos. There it is. Um, Toscanzando. That's it. That means I kid in Italian. It's the only oh phrase I know. Gosh. Sorry, continue. Bolognese. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so the 1970s, the allegations of murder first became part of the mainstream conversation when Norman Mailer <clears throat> published a book in 1973 called Marilyn, a Biography. Despite not having any evidence, He repeated the claim that Monroe and Robert F. Kennedy had had an affair and speculated that she was killed by either the FBI or the CIA, who had wished to murder her as a point of pressure against the Kennedys. The book was heavily criticized in reviews, and later that year, Mailer recanted his allegations on 60 Minutes, the TV show, the news show, excuse me, stating that he made those accusations against the FBI and CIA because he believed that it would um, help his book succeed. So it's sort of like questionable if he actually believed it or if he was just saying that to sell books. Either way, he published it. So who knows? And then in October of 1975, a journalist, Anthony Scaduto, did I do it right? I don't know how it's spelled, but probably. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Anthony Scaduto published an article about Monroe's death in a soft porn magazine called We, and the following year expanded his account into a book form by writing Who Killed Marilyn Monroe? He wrote it under a pen name, a.k.a. a fake name, Tony Sikia. I have a follow-up question. Okay. The soft 
soft porn whatever magazine is that we as in w-e or the french spelling as in o-u-i it's o-u-i thank you so much for asking thank you for clarifying absolutely um so his only sources were like other people who had written theories on marilyn monroe so again this is all sort of hearsay and he he said she said um so he didn't really have any like factual evidence but he alleged that marilyn monroe had kept a red diary in which she had written confidential political information that she had heard from the kennedys and that her house had also been wiretapped by a man named bernard spindle on the orders of union leader jimmy hoffa who was in the mob it's full circle who knew yep and Jimmy Hoffa had been hoping to obtain incriminating evidence that he could use against the Kennedys. So that's the 1970s. Moving on to the 1980s. Can I just um, full circle, like, mm-hmm. help you with this? So is that the Bernard guy? That was the guy that everyone thought killed Jimmy Hoffa, right? Because you did a little research on that. Maybe I'm mixing it up. I didn't get that far in my research. <laughs> I please disregard. I do. I have not fact checked this. This is just truly insane. How intertwined the government, the mafia, Marilyn. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Roundabout way to get the Kennedys. True, but I mean, if they were together, they definitely were together. Like, you're gonna tell things to your mistress, you know? I feel like she knew a ton. This next part, the 1980s, might answer your question a little bit i don't know necessarily who bernard spindle was like what association he had with jimmy hoffa but i know okay i just just looked it up do we want it do we want it yeah tell tell us okay well apparently they were involved spindle is known for his involvement in union leader jimmy hoffa's 1964 criminal trial and 1957 trial where in 1957 spindle and hoffa pleaded not guilty to accusations of illegal wiretapping but is that what you're talking about literally all i need to do did you say 1957 probably because she died in like the early 1960s In 1953, Hoffa paid Spindle in union funds to wiretap Teamster headquarters in Detroit. I don't know. Spindle's just a well-known wiretapper. Yes, this is um, actually nothing to do with what I thought it did. (laughs) I (laughs) recently... Yes. yes. Please disregard everything I just said because I recently (laughs) found out I didn't watch The Irishman because it was too long. And I didn't want to see Robert De Niro walking around like an old man, even though he was like CGI'd to be 30. I hated it. Yes, I just don't want to watch it. But I recently found out that that had to do with Jimmy Hoffa. And I was like, oh my God, is that his friend who apparently killed him? Anyway, thank you so, so much for coming. On a side note, this is like a major tangent, but Luke and I watched The Irishman when it came out and like could not believe how fucking long it was and how terrible they made the CGI. But when I was like, oh, we're recording the podcast tonight. And he was like, oh, it's your topic. And I said, oh, I was going to do Jimmy Hoffa, but it was too confusing. So I'm doing Marilyn Monroe. And he goes, oh, like from The Irishman. I was like, yeah, he's The Irishman. And Luke was like, no, Robert De Niro was The Irishman. Like, Jimmy Hoffa was played by Al Pacino and I forgot that I forgot the whole movie oh, because it was so yes yes yes, yes. Oh, so okay that's anyway okay. thank you so much okay back to the 1980s y'all in 1982 private detective Milo Spiriglio who I'm going to refer to as Milo moving forward because I can't say his last name Milo publishes a book Marilyn Monroe murder cover-up in which he claims that Marilyn Monroe was murdered by Jimmy Hoffa and mob boss Sam Gianca. Basing his account on two books that were written in 1975 and 1976, Milo adds statements that were made by Lionel Grandison, who worked at the L.A. County Coroner's Office at the time of Marilyn Monroe's death. Grandison, who was the kid who worked at the coroner's office, claimed that Monroe's body had been extensively bruised which had been omitted from the autopsy report and that he had seen the red diary but it had mysteriously disappeared 
when they were finished working in the autopsy room. The authors of the books that were quoted demanded that the investigation into Monroe's death be reopened by the authorities, but the LA district attorney agreed to then review the case, but they could not find any supporting evidence. And then the kid who worked in the autopsy room in the coroner's office um, was said to not be a reliable witness, which to me seems extremely sketchy because he literally works in the coroner's office, but who am I to say? The allegation that Monroe's home had been wiretapped by Bernard Spindle were also found to be false because Spindle's apartment had been raided by the Manhattan District Attorney in 1966 and the tapes were seized, but none of the contents on the tapes supported anything to do with her death. Like it was all just like random, unhelpful to the police. Finally, the most prominent of the Monroe conspiracy theories was in the 1980s by British journalist Anthony Summers, who claimed that her death was an accidental overdose and was covered up by RFK. His book, Goddess, The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe, became the most commercially successful Monroe biography. Prior to writing this, he had written a conspiracy theory book on the assassination of JFK, and his investigation on Monroe began as an assignment for a British tabloid to cover the LA County District Office. So according to Summers, Monroe had severe substance abuse problems and was psychotic in the last months of her life. He alleged that the affairs with both John F. and R.F. Kennedy had happened, and that when R.F. Kennedy ended their affair, she had threatened to reveal their association, and then Kennedy and Peter Lawford, who was a member of the alleged Rat Pack, aka the Mafia, attempted to prevent her from going to the authorities or telling people about their relationship by enabling her addictions. So according to Summers, Monroe became hysterical and accidentally overdosed, dying in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. But Robert F. Kennedy wanted to leave Los Angeles before Monroe's death became public, and thus they returned her body to her home and staged the overdose to look like a suicide. Summers based his account on interviews he conducted with over 650 people who had known Marilyn Monroe, but his research was criticized by some biographers because some was presented as fact and some sort of misrepresented what her friends had said about her. Others also said that a large amount of his evidence was sort of what people believed and not necessarily what they actually knew to be true. So it was kind of hard to like prove his theories. And the final theory I'm going to tell, I wasn't originally going to tell, but I'm going to tell it because Haley wants me to tell it. There's a man out there on the internet who believes that... <laughs> Erlyn Monroe is actually in Canada and never actually died at all. And really, she's just at a psychiatric ward in Ontario, but she had to fake her own death to escape Hollywood. I personally don't believe this, but Haley wanted our two listeners, hey, mom, to hear this. So that's the final conspiracy theory. Thank you so much. And that is the one that I'm believing in. I would um, say it's the most plausible. For sure. Um, okay, I personally feel like I could believe she was murdered. Like, I don't know for sure, obviously, but yeah. I could see it either way. Well, speaking literally now, I don't believe the Canada thing. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> Thank whole... you so much. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> the whole uh, phone cord really throws me off. Exactly. It's like... What would be the sequence if she had indeed overdosed... She just also happened to wrap her neck or she fell on the phone. What is what's happening? Or also like, was it attached to the wall or was it one of those things that you can like hang on to? Because if it was on the wall, you know, you can just like walk around, kind of like get tangled. That would not make sense for like a handheld phone. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I would understand if it was like just pills, but the phone cord does sort of seem odd. Right. Cause like it, they say it was like specifically wrapped around her neck. Right. And if you were to have fallen into the phone cord, they would have said like, Oh, she was tangled in it. Like it's on her arm or whatever. But like, that just seems a little too calculated, but yeah. 
And now that I'm thinking of it, I actually kind of don't think it's that weird for the housemaid to like be cleaning. I think it kind of seems like an innocuous thing to do after someone she probably loved died and like she cleans houses for a living. Maybe she was just trying to help. Like maybe she didn't know that it would like destroy evidence. I don't know why I believe that, but I just picture it being like a super not thought out thing. And then people started looking into it. I get what you're saying to play devil's advocate though. I also feel like once people die, like you have the opposite where you're like, I want to like keep their smell. I don't want to like tarnish their, you know, memory or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, yes, she was definitely doing her job, but it is a little weird that like she didn't wait for the police to come. Like she, she was like, Oh, I'm going to just like wash her sheets before they get here. Like that. That's to me true. Yeah. yeah. I see There's both sides. Like other things to do to clean. That <laughs> wouldn't be my first. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we'll never know. That's the thing that, excuse the pun, like kills me is that we will never have answers. So here's the thing is that, I don't know about you guys, but I have drafted a list in my head of things that I need to know, see, do when Mm. I go to heaven. Okay. We've heard this. Yeah. I told my mom about this today, actually. Did you? Can you please elaborate for our listeners? My list, and it kind of goes into my next point, but I want you guys to formulate a list, and I can add this on mine. I need to know what happened to John JonBenet Ramsey. I I need to know. I also need to know what happened to Amelia Earhart. It's like, in this scenario... You die, you go to heaven. What's like, what's like, something that you need to know what yes. actually happened? To you're them? just like, you're just like, no okay, like I made it my whole life without knowing. Please let me know. So it's like John Benet, Amelia. I want to ride a dinosaur. <laughs> I lost a necklace one time in fifth grade, and it was like one of those you can extract a pearl from an oyster and like put it into a necklace. And I absolutely loved it. I lost it in fifth grade, and I need to know where it went. I just want to know. I just want God to be like, here you go. What if it's in your house, though? They're like, oh, it's actually just under the floorboard in that one spot. Actually, Oscar ate it in 2004. (laughs) It's decomposing in the backyard. Exactly. (laughs) I just need to know those four things, and I'll be fine. But I don't know. Do you guys have a list? No. I've literally never thought of this before. It's just – It's just things that, like, I absolutely need to know that we know we're not going to find out. When we're I mean, alive. you don't know that. Like, mm. you could – have you seen Soul? Hello? Like, you could meet anyone oh my God. you believe in heaven. What a roller coaster. I haven't seen it, so no spoilers, please. Oh, okay. You should watch it. It's really good. Alex, I'll okay. watch it with you. It's so cute. Well, no need. <laughs> Alex never wants to watch anything with us. Okay, and on that note, Haley, would you like to take it away? Thank you so much. I would love to. I feel like my whole life has been leading up to this one moment. Can I guess what it is first? Yes. Is it Amelia Earhart? And sorry. (laughs) I am obsessed with Amelia Earhart. She is such an icon. And it fascinates me how no one's figured out what happened to her and Fred Noonan. I, I just don't understand. So actually... This was, this is a little more extensive than what I planned. And this is only because in college I was um, in a public speaking class and I literally did a whole presentation speech on Amelia Earhart's disappearance. <laughs> so taking some from this, taking some because there's been like recent developments after this, this little speech was written. So <laughs> without further ado, many, did you have something to say, Chloe? <laughs> I just messaged Alex on Zoom. Oh, I didn't know that. Was Alex just, just replied, me. "Maybe she'll say to everyone." <laughs> and I said, "Who the hell is Fred Noonan?" I've never heard that name before. Okay, no oh one, no one will know. But that was the pilot that went with her on her last journey. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. Oh my gosh, I've never Zoom chatted before. My bad. Yeah, you need to practice before you do this at work. Dear God. Uh, I, nope, never mind. Okay. So many of you have learned about Amelia Earhart, probably in elementary, middle school. Um, She's famously known for being the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. 
And she essentially paved the way, not just for women aviators, but also for like any woman seeking leadership in society during this time. Because I mean, men literally held any important role ever. And women were just like, obviously meant to stay in the house and not hold a job or any really big role in society. So yes, it went against all the social norms at the time. Some of you may not know, however, the mysterious conspiracy theories that go behind her disappearance, aka her death, because she definitely died. We just don't know when or how. But I'll give you a little background on her life before we get into that. She was born in 1897 in Kansas um, when she was a little girl. 1897? Holy yep. shit. Oh, yep. She probably smelled so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone smelled bad back then. I know. I I think about this all the time. Really? I mean, yeah. Because, like, they had washboards, and that's all. They probably, like, jumped in rivers to wash themselves. You know what they didn't have? Deodorant. (sighs) They probably used plants to, like, make themselves smell like something. Or, like, disinfect their bodies. I also wonder, like, like, how did people kiss each other? But then I'm just like, was everyone just so used to it that they couldn't tell anymore? Like, were I they think, just like, yeah. ugh. Thanks so much, Chloe. Thank you so much. You're that so is welcome. an integral part of her story. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when she was a girl, she mostly lived with her, like, upper middle class grandparents. Her parents actually had, like, a lot of financial troubles and bouts of alcoholism. Um, and then her and her sister, like – moved through a bunch of different school systems when they were growing up. Um, But nonetheless, she excelled in like a bunch of science departments and sports, which at this time women just straight up didn't do, or they probably didn't even attempt. And she just thrived being an independent young woman. And I think what also drove her or what has been said to drive her is that her father could never provide for the family. So she probably just like wanted to shape her life and career the opposite way because of this. As a young woman, she visited her sister in Canada, and during this time, she witnessed terrible injuries by soldiers returning from World War I, and then shortly after that, she decided to volunteer as a nurse's aide, and then that's where her love for aviation kind of blossomed, and she spent a ton of time talking to former pilots about the war and their roles in it, and then she visited her parents in California. I don't have, like, a strict timeline for you, but... Here we go. She attended an air show. Um, She got to go on a private plane as a passenger, obviously, for 10 minutes. And shortly after this, she was like, hell yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. She worked various jobs and saved up money for flying lessons. And by 1921, she purchased her own secondhand Kinner Airster biplane. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so fun. Miss Independent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So one year later, she hit a worldwide record for women by reaching 14,000 feet, which you could not pay me enough to be put into an airplane anytime before like 1990. I don't know. It just seems like they were not advanced enough. And that is terrifying to me. Don't know if you guys agree. The fact that people used to smoke cigarettes on airplanes. Right. Think about how close you are to like a million different engines and like flammable liquids that just blows my mind that's actually a great point because i was only thinking about like the actual structure of the plane but the shit they would let literally fly it makes Mm -hmm. no sense to me (sighs) yes although i do wish i do wish that like you could go through an airport and like pick someone up from the gate like doesn't that just seem so like like when in our favorite movie alex sleepless in seattle Mm. <laughs> yeah right loved that movie i and can't that alex that is so of you. oh, oh my gosh. god no but really like my mom used to say that she would go to the airport and they would just like watch the planes take off from like the gate but they weren't going anywhere like they weren't getting on a plane they were just mm-hmm. watching other planes you could never do that now no oh, it's god, so no. sad yeah anywho anyway. back to amelia yes so 
she actually had to sell her first plane because she was having like financial problems and she couldn't fly again until like six years later, 1927. Um, but she stayed active in the aeronautical society and she received a call in 1928 asking to fly across the Atlantic. She said, hell yeah. And she would only fly as a passenger. Um, clarifying question. mm -hmm. When you say she got a call from, like, who called her and was like, do you want to fly across the Atlantic? That's a great question. I'm, I'm assuming it has to do with the Aeronautical Society, and they probably, like, had ties with the government that would set all of this up. Another question. So mm-hmm. they called her and said, hey, do you want to fly? But also, you're not going to be flying. You're going to be sitting next to the person flying. Right. Okay. Like... So it's essentially like a backhanded compliment because like, obviously she was probably capable to do this herself, but they were like, "Mm, close, but no cigar. So, and they said it was like too dangerous for a woman to do this by herself, but this did kind of like take her career off because obviously, obviously she was still a part of this like major thing. And this is when she became like kind of a celebrity because no woman had ever been invited to do this trek before. And then she received several book offers featured in magazines, newspaper articles, etc. Mm-hmm. Her career takes off, literally flies. And then five years later, she flew solo across the Atlantic, 15 hours in the air, which again, you could not pay me enough. And she became the first woman in history to fly solo across the Atlantic, was given National Geographic Society gold medal, the Distinguished Flying Cross from the U.S. Congress. Oh, this is, oh, this is a mouthful. Cross of the Knight of the Legion of Honor from the French government. That had three ofs in it. Dear God. Sounds official. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she took, like, several flights after this. Yeah. So her next plan was to circle around the world, and this is where we have her final flight. Really makes me so sad. She took off on the Lockheed Electra on June 1st, 1937. She went with <laughs> Fred Noonan. Sorry, I didn't explain that before. He was her co-pilot, because, I mean, this was, like, a huge journey, so she definitely, like, couldn't do it alone, so she shouldn't have. Um, So with 22,000 miles down, 7,000 left to go, Earhart and Noonan ran into trouble with radio signal and an accurate map, and it the Electra was said to be low on fuel, and it had a different frequency than the naval base that was helping them navigate, and they were on different time zones. So there was, like, Greenwich civil time and naval time zone. And they, if that made like their signals off by like 30 minutes, which was obviously not good, but there's nothing you can do about that. The morning of July 3rd would be the last communication between Earhart and the base. And her last message received was, we must be on you, but we cannot see you. Fuel is running low. Been able to reach you by radio. We are flying at 1000 feet, a thousand feet. That is like nothing. I don't think dear God. Yep. So the ship replied, and then there was no indication that Earhart read their message. And then an immediate search team was sent out 66 planes, nine ships, $4 million of investigation, which is crazy. Okay. Question. Mm -hmm. Why was so much money spent looking? Like, obviously, I'm not saying they should not have, but like, I'm sure in the 1920s, this is not the first plane to go missing. Like, what was so significant about that flight? Well, I think it was because this was pretty monumental. Like she was literally trying to fly a plane around the world and I'm sure they would get funding because everyone was obsessed with this. Um, And she was a celebrity, so I'm sure that helped, but I totally agree. I think plenty of people went missing at this time and no one really batted an eye, but I think she was just different. So yeah, but $4 million back then is a ton of money. So I totally agree. But official search ended by 1937. Her husband, George Putnam, oh, oh, I see a note I have in here. He helped fund for a private investigation after this, even after the $4 million, which clearly he, like, needed an answer. But no evidence was found of them, and they were legally declared dead in 1939. And this is where we run into the conspiracy theories, ladies. First one. The Electra ran out of fuel shortly after their message was sent. Plane crashed into into the Pacific, killed both of them, probably on impact. They said that the maps weren't accurate. And, oh 
God, it's just, this is, this is so sad. Anyway, people are saying that it says several aviation and navigation experts support this theory, concluding that the outcome of the last leg of the flight came down to poor planning, worse execution. Like everything was off kilter. They weren't completely accurate. This is from biography.com, by the way. And they knew it wasn't fully fueled. So they were like, oh, this was bound to happen. Like they couldn't have made it anywhere, even if conditions were ideal. And they said if they did try to get anywhere, maybe they could have landed at Howland Island which helps go into my next conspiracy theory. But yes, in 2002, a company called Nauticos went on a search using a sonar sonar, sonar system to search 630 square miles of the ocean floor near Howland because that is like the general area where they're like, oh, this is where they could be. And they didn't find the plane. They didn't find any evidence and they had a follow-up mission four years later found nothing and they were like well i mean we didn't get the 630 miles but that means like we covered this but like there's literally thousands of miles that they could look so like there's no way if a plane falls into the ocean Mm -hmm. does it eventually like deteriorate like does the salt because like you know when they found the titanic or like the Mm -hmm. remnants of the titanic like obviously they didn't find all of it. So like, would they have found a plane? I think this early on, they definitely would have found, well, I mean, it's 80 years later. <laughs> Good math. It's just, it's so tough because like, yes, the, ti- okay. So what did the Titanic sink? Like 1912? And they have, like, they still have, <laughs> did it sink in 1912? I don't know. When did World War II end? <laughs> 1937 stop um i don't know it just i guess it like you said it depends on like what material it's made out of but like they can still find things from the titanic but i totally agree it's like the salt it's urchins it's like all of the things made up of the seafloor that could destroy it so yeah maybe 80 years later there's nothing left for them urchins specifically land and sea urchins yes i would I would guess, just putting my two cents in, mm-hmm. which means nothing, but that probably on impact, I see that I can see like the plane not staying intact. Like I yes. feel like it could potentially be like already broken from the impact of flying into wherever it flew, unless they like attempted to land it on the water. But I don't know. And like, then did it also- catch on fire? Oh, it could have caught on fire. And then also just like the movement of the ocean, I feel like would have eroded it also, but there would still be like some piece of the plane that they could identify as a plane Mm -hmm. if they had found it, I think. Yes, I I totally agree. Like, it's just, there's so many variables, like, and this was the first time that they actually tried to like do a deep dive. And I think they covered more miles here than they did like in 1937 but literally found nothing. It's insane. So that is why I partially, I'm not trying to be biased, but I truly don't believe in this theory. Maybe it's the hopeful in me. The next theory is that the two continued to fly without radio transmission and made it to a different island, uninhabited island, known as Niku Mororo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it's like this. Thank you so much. And it's this tiny speck of land, um, 350 nautical miles southwest of Howland, where they were like, Howland was the place where they were like, okay, this was the closest place they could have done it. But yes, this tiny little island where no one lived. And I personally believe this theory because so many people, there were, how do I call it? There were expeditions kind of accidentally. The first one started in 1938. Someone was trying to inhabit this island and he literally found human remains and human bones and what looked like a tiny little community essentially that had been created on this island and obviously no one had lived there so they were obviously very suspicious and they found science and historians have found like little improvised tools bits of clothing an aluminum panel which could have been from the plane a piece of plexiglass, the exact width and curvature of an electric window. I feel so passionate about this. And more recently, like years later, they actually found a jar of freckle cream. 
what you know that means? It means Amelia Earhart had so many freckles and she literally, like, she didn't like her freckles. And back then there was this freckle cream that you could use to, like, get rid of your freckles. Okay, but, like, bleach your skin? Kind of. My but God. also, like, couldn't that just be anyone's freckle cream? Right. Sure. But let's talk about it. This island was uninhabited. They didn't know anyone who lived there. All of these tiny little pieces, like even if people like randomly showed up there, it's just such a particular amount of artifacts found that like doesn't really make sense for someone who knew they were like living there. You know what I mean? Like would anyone really bring freckle cream? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. So – Okay, a couple questions. Mm-hmm. Do you know, were they able to identify or, like, figure out how many bodies the human remains belong to? So I want to say that they found 17 or 18 human bones. Like, they did, they did expeditions on this island. It was, like, 1938, 1940, a ton. There were, like, numerous ones. And then again in 2017. And they brought search dogs in in 2017 to, like, smell around. And they found the human bones had like disintegrated at this point or something like that but the dogs are able to like smell exactly where like that bone fragment dust whatever would be like in a general area and they found them right near a tree and they were just i mean they hypothesized this whole thing where like they were like oh someone probably died they were like sitting up against this tree whatever it is but like they can't obviously put together like whose bones they were but like who else is can't they can't they DNA test the bones and see how many individuals it belonged to? Yes. No. I mean, probably. I know nothing about that. I feel like if they could have, they would have. True. Yeah, that's true. It's truly and insane. Also, do you think? Oh, go ahead, Alex. I'm just trying to think about this. So, okay. Amelia knows that she's going to fly around the world. Mm hmm. And she packs freckle cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is the part where I'm like, do we nitpick what she packed or do we nitpick who else would have packed that, you know? Yeah. And, but also, like, I feel like this is way too analyzing it, but they definitely could see the packaging of the freckle cream and, like, seeing what, when it was made and if it even makes sense to have been hers. Well, I think at this point, like the way they found it, I'm sure like the label disintegrated, like it was a glass jar and I think they found like remnants of whatever was left, but like they weren't like, Oh, we know exactly what this is. No, they knew like based on the jar, like what it was, but I'm not, I'm sure like the label didn't have like an expiration date or anything like that. Hey, but do you think they like, flew over this island or this uninhibited land and then like just died there like castaway style i've never actually seen castaway (gasps) oh my god you must watch castaway that is not the plot of castaway okay i'm just saying like do you think they were like on this island like trying to survive and then they just like died there yes you don't think the plane crashed and they both died on impact i believe that they would have just I don't know like where their plane would have crashed but I'm assuming it has to be close to the island because the thing that that gets me is like her last radio signal she said they were at a thousand feet and I would like to believe I mean I didn't pass like any scientific classes I did pass them I don't know why I said that I just wasn't good at science but like if they were to land from a thousand feet that sure as hell is not going to be as impactful if they were at like 15, 20,000 feet. So I was like, maybe they stood a chance of surviving. I think yes. What do you guys think? I think that Haley wants to think that they didn't <laughs> die on impact. I know. I now I feel like super biased and I don't want people to be offended. I want to present all the facts, but this is yeah, I think I believe. Well, I for one am offended and I know our listeners will also be offended. Cool. But no, I think that also – the fact that she knew that she was at a thousand feet mm-hmm. makes me think more that she knew the situation she was in and 
could handle it because she knows how to land a plane. Right. So, but on water? Yeah. I don't I just... know. There's no runways on deserted <clears throat> islands. That's for sure. Ain't that the truth? I know. All of the logistics of, like, how this would happen are spotty, but this is the thing that, like, has the most evidence, even though it's a very small amount of evidence. Like, them finding these tiny fragments of a plane. Like, what else can you believe? But I don't know. But these next couple little ones are going to just – you guys just wait. (laughs) The next theory is that the Japanese captured Earhart and maybe Noonan. They don't mention him because no one does. Um, either after her crash, and she was either killed right away or taken as prisoner and eventually killed, and that she became Tokyo Rose during World War II. And this was, like, super elaborate. This, it's crazy. But they were suggesting that she was captured and forced to, like, spread propaganda to the world throughout this radio with, like, a Japanese takeover and they actually had her husband investigate, like, Tokyo Rose's voice. And he was like, that's not my wife's. Um, but that was a theory. And this theory was actually – that she was captured was actually supported in, like, as late as 2017. There was a summer where I thought, finally, you know what, I have the answers to her disappearance. And the History Channel of all places just royally messed this up. They found a photo. And they were like, oh, my God, it's 1937. This is the woman. Like, she is clearly – this has to be her. It was a white woman, a white man standing with Japanese men. And they were like, this has to be her. She was clearly, like, taken as a prisoner or whatever. She was on this dock. Turns out they just royally screwed this up. They were making, like, an Amelia Earhart, um, like, biography movie thing. They had completely, like, misread or, like, mislabeled an archive, and this photo was actually from 1935, so this was completely, like, this was not true. But in 2017, the History Channel was trying to claim that they knew what happened to her, and they did not. The next one is that, or the last one, is that she was taken prisoner, like, she landed, and then somehow, like, repatriated back to the U.S. because she was, like a national security like spy and that she just like went to New Jersey and lived under a different name for the rest of her life. Please. Okay. Wait, I have a question about the Japanese theory. Mm -hmm. So what year was she born again? 1897. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. It would have made sense. I was like, there's no fucking way she would be like a hundred years old, (laughs) but I was wrong. No, it's, it's all like super spotty and obviously people like me just want to have an answer for something like this, but it just kills me that the history channel of all places were like, we have it. We have a picture of her. And turns out it was just a picture taken just happened to be a white woman and a white man with Japanese people. And it was from two years earlier and they just claimed it. They were like, yep, this is it. Incredible. Crazy. Yes. So what do you guys believe? (sighs) I kind of think that she was killed on impact, like in whether it was like on this island. I don't really think it was on this island. I don't know where I think it was, Mm -hmm. but I kind of feel like that's just what happened. I also think that's very fair. As much as I don't want to believe that, it would also make sense that like some things like showed up on shore at a different island miles away. It was like hundreds of miles away. It's very possible that like all of these fragments kind of just like washed up at an island. So that's okay. LA. I think the same thing. (sighs) Unfortunately, I don't, I kind of believe a theory, not those theories, but that she could have potentially been captured. Like she landed somewhere somehow was able Mm -hmm. to land safely and survive it and that she was captured by whatever country she was in i don't believe the japanese thing or maybe it was the japanese but the whole the marshall islands thing oh yeah the tokyo rose thing tokyo rose yeah i do not know i don't know i feel like though and i maybe just am ignorant but i kind of feel like if she had been captured, like, they would have tried to, well, they would have, like, 
you know, bartered with the U.S. like for money yeah. or for goods or something. Like, I don't think they would have just taken this like random woman pilot who, I don't know. I could be wrong. I agree That's with that, totally fair. Just, I need to know what happened to her. And Fred Noonan, One of thing. course. <laughs> well, you can ask her in about 90 years when you're in heaven. <laughs> if you make it there. Stop. Which you won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, my own personal hell would be finding out she died on impact. Yeah. Okay, but like, yeah. I also think you should brace yourself for it that possibility because uh, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I really want you guys to make like a list though. And it's not to be morbid. It's just like shit you want to know. And maybe eventually you'll get to know them. You know what I mean? I guess, but also who cares? Just kidding. God. Um, Initially. So the theory about her, coming back to America and just ending up in New Jersey. <laughs> then I immediately thought that happened and she went on to be Tony Soprano's mom. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. And then was like terribly CGI'd oh my God. after season two. Oh, hilarious. I I could just talk about this forever. But yes, that is a great theory. Thank you. Do you have one? What can you talk about forever? No, oh, about the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> Not about Amelia Earhart. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Healy. It's okay. Sorry. But that was, that was wonderful. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Thank you so much for listening to episode three, Conspiracy Theories. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Jot that down, pod. That's J-O-T, that down, P-O-D. Oh, my God. Hold on a second. What do you need? (laughs) Sorry, my mom's ordering pizza. (gasps) Hell yeah. Hey, Karen. This is Laura. Can I get a... Hey, Laura. Hey, Laura. Do you want to split a pizza with me and a salad? I don't like the pizza from there, but I'm getting a grilled chicken salad with feta cheese. Mom's getting a large Ew, feta girl. We love feta at this house. Can I get a large barbecue chicken salad? No onions, no peppers. Mom's on here. Oh, hi, Mom. Mom, I'm doing the podcast. I can't text it to you. A large <laughs> barbecue chicken salad, no peppers, no onions, no onions, no peppers, no onions, house dressing on the side, and I want a loaf of bread on the side. House side. Okay. And what are we getting? Two grilled, large grilled chicken and feta salads, Laura? Yes, with extra bread on the side. Okay, and dad's having a small Greek with no carrots. Okay, okay. Right. okay. thank you so much. Bye. Love you, bye. 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 <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I I love G Hop so much. When you guys come and visit G-Hop? me, it's Warm House of pizza. pizza. Oh, like, have you been? No. How'd you know? I don't know, honestly. What? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to that area once for like two days, and yeah. I don't know. Can we yeah, please? It's, it's like, like one of after, Lily's favorite place. After the credits, can we please include this whole interaction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am I'm truly so sorry. I was in like a really bad mood and so tired. And now I just feel like you guys have revived me. Oh my god. I I feel we'll the same that. way. Like I was like, I kind of want to move it because I'm just like tired, but I feel a lot better after this. Same. I feel like Oh, I felt just... fine. <laughs> You're flush. Nobody asked. <laughs>